Thank you, girls. That was awesome. Great song, great message, and great presentation of it. Did a great job. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. We're in James still. James chapter 1, reading beginning in verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Lord, bless your word, multiply it, help us to hear uh, not from just a pastor today, but may we hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Uh, this morning, and, and every message, anytime we open God's word, uh, I believe God's word speaks to us. And, and, and I don't take lightly the office of pastor to stand before you and preach. I, you know, I, I think it's important in every message that God presents in a Bible study, anytime we talk about God's word, anytime we preach, anytime we, we gather together, I, I believe that it's important. But particularly this morning's message, I think, could be uh, life-changing for some. Uh, th- this is a message that personally I need to hear. And I believe it's a message that, that's, that's relationship-changing. Words matter. Amen? Words matter. Uh, when, when we were growing up, and you finish this statement, we used to hear, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. Is that true? And it's fine to keep telling your kids that so they don't get too upset when people tease them or say things to them. But the truth of the matter is, words matter. What we say matter. Words can build up or words can tear down. And as a preacher, I, I, you know... (laughs) You know, I, I speak in front of people, and, and this is kind of a heavy burden at times when you think about it, because I don't want to lead you astray. And Nelson, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When we're up here speaking, we, we do our best to stay true to God's word, and, but because God's words where life is found, not in my words. And so there's a burden as I preach, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that you should strive and want to do. And, you know, I, I didn't wake up one morning and say, I just want to preach because I want to talk a lot. <laughs> Words matter. And as a preacher, uh, sometimes as I'm preparing, I long for the days that on Saturday night I went to sleep and slept like a baby. (laughs) It doesn't happen anymore. Poor Terry lays next to a fitful sleeper every Saturday night because on most Saturday nights I'm either really excited about the message I get to deliver the next morning 
And sometimes God just wakes me up and begins to work the message, and I begin to think about the message, and, and God begins to speak to me. God, does God ever speak to you when you're sleeping? <laughs> I wish you'd wait till I was awake. But truthfully, God sometimes speaks to us while we're sleeping. And, and, and he, last night was one of those nights. I, I probably slept maybe an hour as, as God just kind of tossed and turned me and I thought about this message and thought about what I was going to preach. And, uh, you know, sometimes God just reminds me and sometimes God reworks a little bit. And, and God just kind of really emphasized to me as I was sleeping that last night the, the importance of words. Now, now I've found as a pastor, and it, it's, kind of, it's kind of been a humorous thing, and it was kind of fun to hear Paul Whiteford talk about this at camp meeting. People think they can say anything to pastors. It's the craziest thing. Paul was talking about how he went to see a lady in the hospital, and she was talking to him about how much weight he would gain. <laughs> you know, so people think they can say anything. So I, I had one lady one time say, you know, you're really going bald. And I, you know, do you, who says that to people? You know, I've had people talk about gaining weight, me gaining weight. And I, I had one guy in a former pastorate that, you know, I like to grow beards and, you know, shave them off. And sometimes I have beards, sometimes I don't. And he, would, he was an older guy, and he'd always say, you know, you're much more handsome without your beard. And I always told him, you know, well, if you think I'm less handsome without my beard, that's an incentive to grow my beard because I really don't want you to think I'm handsome. Sometimes I can be a bit slow. <laughs> I had a, a guy in a church one time that was insulting me, and I thought he was complimenting me. It, it took me a year to realize that it wasn't a compliment. And every Sunday I'd say, well, thank you. <laughs> and he would look kind of confused and walk off, and then finally I realized, well, he was kind of slamming me. Uh, I also have a pastor's thick skin, or a pastor's, a lawyer's thick skin. Trust me, there's nothing that anyone said to me in the church that I haven't heard with a few different words. Pastors can be hurt, too. Uh, you know, even, even this pastor has been hurt in, at times. And before I go any further in this, I'm not hurt now. Uh, th th this, is, you know, this isn't venting right now. Uh, I, I do have, uh, I, I'm up or I'm getting up, and I get over stuff really quick. And, and so nobody in here needs to worry that somehow this pastor's been offended or hurt by anything you've said. Because I, I, I do. I move on past that stuff. But, but words can hurt, and, and we would acknowledge that. In the church, words can really hurt. You know, it's important to have a church that uplifts people by their words. I was at, a, Dylan had a graduation open house, and I saw somebody from our former church, and he was talking about uh, the boys. You know, all, all three of my boys have expressed that God may be calling them into the ministry. And, you know, I, wherever God calls them, I'm okay with. Wyatt will be getting his first district license. I'll have to call him Pastor Wyatt, and I, that's going to be an adjustment for me. Uh, and Dylan's in a couple months going to be at the Worship Institute in Trebek. And Spencer at one time has expressed that God may be calling him into some kind of ministry role. And, and, and Nunley asked me, he goes, what do you feel like as a pastor when your boys think, maybe I'm called to ministry? You know what I feel? I feel like I've been part of churches that have been welcoming and loving enough that my boys could imagine that it would be kind of awesome to serve God in the ministry. That is a compliment to the churches that we've been at. 
this. It's not anything about me. It's about you folks. That, that when they come to church, they think, this is a cool place. We like these people. You know, it's an awesome place of love, but it just takes a couple words to reverse that. Do we understand that? Just, just in the last two weeks, I've heard of a, a person that, that I knew their backstory, and, and they were unchurched, and they were part of our church, in seven words that was probably a joke that someone probably thought was funny seven words drove them away words matter particularly with immature believers young believers your college age and your teens and your kids the words, the things that you say to them matters. And I'll just put this out there. You can say almost anything to me. We will have words if you say something to my boys. Am I, am I clear? <laughs> in jest or not in jest. My most important congregation lives at 1026 Valley Drive. And if I save all of you and lose my voice, I will consider myself a failure. Words matter. And we need to be building our kids. You know, things that are said in church hurt deeper, don't they? Right? We expect it out there, but we don't expect it here. I love um, Doris is in my Sunday nights, and, and, and I appreciate Doris because I'll look at her and I can see that she's thinking of something to say long before she ever say it, says it. She, she gets kind of a little smile, and I know Doris is thinking something, but she really thinks about it before she says it. And every once in a while I'll say something to Vicki, who's her daughter, and say, you know, I love your mom. I, I love what, she goes, oh, she's always afraid that she's going to say the wrong thing. And she says, oh, I shouldn't have said that. You know, most of us think like that, right? Anybody ever think, man, I shouldn't have said that? Let me tell you, if you've not ever thought like that, then maybe you need to listen closer to this sermon. <laughs> most of us struggle with, and most of us at one time or another in our life have said things we shouldn't say. Or worried about things that we shouldn't say. Words matter. But the focus is not what we say in this passage, but the beginning of the focus is what we hear. Uh, so are you listening? Radical faith listens. I'm just curious, who considers himself a good listener in here? Raise your hand. A few good listeners. You ever hear the phrase selective hearing? <laughs> the, this is the unintended. You know, God, God's got a sense of humor, I guess. You know, I, I didn't have a Father's Day sermon planned, but I, but I think a sermon on selective hearing may be a good Father's Day sermon. All the ladies said, CDs will be available later. No, I don't know. Do we even do CDs? I don't even know if we do it. It'll be on the website. You can make your husband listen to it again. 
you know, no nudging of husbands during the sermon. I've always said selective hearing is a man's superpower. Um, my dad doesn't hear well and out of one ear, and that works well because what he doesn't want to hear, that is the weird ear he points at my mother. <laughs> you know, I, I am a recovering selective hearer, <laughs> and I have relapses from time to time. Um, I think a lot of us could, could admit that. It'd probably be good to admit. It's, you know, it's kind of like, I am a selective hearer. Uh, my name is Paul Mills. I'm a selective hearer. Can we say that together, those of you who suffer? My name is Paul Mills, and I am a selective hearer. You know, radical faith listens. And in this passage, we read James, he's advocating listening to others and, and listening to the word. And, and I think it's easy to see when you consider the spiritual implications of listening to the word. But he's also talking about listening to others in our relationship. And I know this sounds like relationship 101, and it doesn't seem overly spiritual. And truthfully, when I talk about listening better, that that touches all avenues of our life. And you don't have to get too deeply spiritual to, to, uh, to reap the benefits of listening, right? You'll be a better father. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better mother. You'll be a better grandparent. You'll be a better kid, child. You'll be a better student. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better friend if you learn to listen, right? Uh, that's just practical advice. You can write a letter to Dear Abby. Does Dear Abby still do letters? I don't know. But I want you to know that selective hearing will stunt your spiritual growth. You know, there's a natural way I believe people approach conversations. And this is the natural, and I think we need to be intentional and work past uh, conversations in the different ways. But, but I think many times we approach conversations with a set ideal of what we want to communicate. Not, you guys are looking at me like you've never have done that, that you've never approached a conversation, and there's something that you want to say. And the first priority becomes, what do we want to say? And as a matter of fact, listening is not so much listening, but it's just waiting for your chance to talk. Nobody's ever done that, right? Just, just me. I think James has given us a new way to think about this. In the midst of the conversation, can we think what we hear is more important than what we say? Think about that. When you're in a conversation, the first priority in your mind is what you're going to say, right? What if James is saying, no, the first priority is not what you're going to say, but what are you going to hear? Are you going to listen? Well, we have more to learn than we do to say. James says, be quick to hear, and this could be literally translated, rapidly pursuing hearing, chasing after hearing. Why is this important? Jesus listened, right? You ever read the Gospels? Jesus listens. Before Jesus, Jesus asks more questions and makes statements because he's interested in what other people have to say. God listens. The, the whole concept of us 
speaking prayer and not just listening in prayer is the ideal that our Heavenly Father wants to listen to us. I don't know about you, but sometimes that blows my mind to think that God in heaven with all his power and all his holiness and all his strength and all his creative being wants to hear what Paul Mills has to say. But Jesus invites us to ask, to seek. He invites us to pray. So the ideal is God wants to listen to us. Listening is an expression of love. Now, men, and I know this could be the opposite in your relationship. Maybe your wife is the selective hearer, but typically this is, it's typically a man thing, right? Somebody say amen. (laughs) Remember, (laughs) it was kind of an amen, yeah. I've heard it before. Thanks, Pastor. This is the sermon I'll hear all afternoon, too. (laughs) Remember when you were dating your wife and you could talk on the phone for like an hour? You know, Terry and I, you know, I could talk all day on the phone. Uh, Now I can't talk two minutes on the phone. It's like, man, that was a long conversation. Then, you know, my cell phone, I look how long it was. It was like 45 seconds. (laughs) Man, most of our wives still can, by the way. (laughs) So so it might be worth it just going, "Uh uh-huh, yes, dear. Yeah, ah, that's interesting. I just listen. Paul Tillich says, the first duty of love is to listen. And, And true communication begins not with what we say, but with really listening. Here's the good news. Everyone's listening skills can be improved. And this morning, they're in your bulletin. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time. I'm just going to give you 10 things, 10 real practical ways you can improve your listening skills. And they're they're very practical. Stop talking. (laughs) That's number one. Uh, Mark Twain says, if we were supposed to talk more than we listen, we would have two tongues and one ear. (laughs) Uh, Anybody have two tongues? (laughs) Prepare yourself to listen. Put the speaker at ease. Remove distractions. Empathize, be patient, avoid personal prejudice, listen to the tone, listen for ideals, not just words, wait and watch for, for nonverbal communication. And all those are in your bulletin. They, they, we, everyone can learn to be a better listener. It's not rocket science. But, but what I like here is James connects this ideal of being good listeners, quick to listen and slow to speak, to the ideal of being slow to anger. So so somehow, anger is connected to our ability to listen to others. And as I begin to think about that, I think it makes sense because anger is is this emotion that deals with unmet expectations and and, and listening doesn't guarantee that we'll avoid anger. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, some people you listen to, they make you even more angry, right? (laughs) But it puts us in a position where we can practice what we've talked about the last two weeks, this intentional theological consideration of the person who may not be meeting our expectation. It it gives us a level of understanding. It slows down our response time. It may allow us to walk in their shoes. So radical faith listens to others, but it also listens to the word. And and I use the word listen. He says not to be just hearers of the word. And, and I'm contrasting the word hearing and listening because there's a difference, right? 
I think when you listen, there's a change. And, and James is saying when you really allow the word to sink deep within you, there is a change in your life. And I think it's interesting, the order of the phrasing in this passage. Logically, to me, and, and I like to think in, in, in very linear ways, very uh, logical ways. Logically, logically to me, and, and wouldn't it be to you that James would begin with the ideal that listen to the word? That's primary right. And then listen to others. Doesn't that seem logical? But James reversed this. He says, listen to others. Listen to the word. And, and I thought about that. And, and follow me here a bit. If listening is an expression of love, then it reminds me of 1 John. 1 John says, how can we love God whom we don't see if we can't love those we do see? Right? You guys remember that passage? How, do you say, how can you say you love God when you hate your brother? How can you love the unseen when you can't love what you see? Can we effectively listen to the word if love is an extension of listening, can we effectively listen to the word if we cannot listen to others? See, I think that principle applies that, 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 that somehow as we read the... Is that for me? Nobody's going to answer. We're just going to wait. We read the Bible relationally. Uh, the, the Bible is a, a love letter from God to us. It's a love conversation. And we listen, not just because we want to gain information, but we listen like we listen to our wives or our husbands or our friends. We listen because we love God. So we've talked about the importance of listening to loving, and, and listening is the first duty of love, and, and, and God's primary communication to us, and I believe this, and I, I think in our, in our age, we, we've kind of replaced God's first level of communication, his word, and replaced it to what we think, right? What I feel. Um, if your prayer life and what you're receiving in your prayer life is inconsistent with God's word, God's word's not wrong, your prayer life's wrong. Okay? God's word is the standard, right? Can we agree with that? Are we listening to God's word? I mean, really listening. You know, to listen to God's word is to love God. But, but we have a problem in our age. And maybe it's been a problem in every age. But, but we practice selective hearing in everything we do. This week... I was listening to, um, and you may love him, and, and you may stop listening to me when I say this. I was listening to Sean Hannity on the radio, and, and, and Hannity was taking little short clips of Michelle Obama's a speech she was giving. And they were statements that meant absolutely nothing, but he was turning them into things that, like, they meant everything. You know, I understand your particular, oh, yeah. That's the age that we live in, isn't it? 
And it works on both sides of the political spectrum. Fox News does it with the, the Democrats and CNN and MSNBC and these other channels do it with the Republicans and the conservatives. And i got to tell you, folks, as a pastor, I'm sick of it. It creates a filter where we can't hear what anyone says anymore. Because we have preconceived notions before they say anything. So we can take ten words and George Bush becomes an idiot. And we can take ten words and Barack Obama may be a communist. I don't know. Maybe is... This isn't a political statement, but it's a statement to the way we receive information in our age. And folks, it is not scriptural, it is not biblical, it is not Christian. We listen. And sometimes it's how we receive the word. We listen for what justifies our ideals, our concept of self, our identity. And we look for what's relevant in the word instead of making our lives relevant to the word. It's possible to hear the word, but not listen to the word. Several years ago, I I preached a sermon at another congregation on forgiveness And after I preached the the sermon on forgiveness, another leader in my church wrote a scathing letter to another leader in my church. And I thought, what in the world did I preach Sunday? I thought I talked about forgiveness. And, And I think it's a problem. We hear so much and we apply so little. Amen. When we really listen to the word, it's transforming. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I believe that as we listen to the word, It continues to change and transform us. I do not believe the word is stagnant. I believe listening to the word allows us to be new wineskins where God is continuing to grow us and mature us and change us and transform us. Radical faith listens and is transformed. Now, the final two verses, James begins to talk about what this, trans, this transformation caused by the word looks like. And, and James uses the word religious or religion. And, and this isn't a word that's used often in the Bible. I think it's used less than ten times. We, we see this word religion or religious. But, but really, I think it's unfortunate, to be honest. When you look at the root of the word, they use the word religion because I don't think it fits what James is trying to say because really it could also be translated worship. So, So I would say it like this. True worshipers have learned to be transformed by listening. Letting go of every... 
not, not holding so tightly to their, their paradigms and, and their preconceived notions that they can't learn from someone else and they can't learn from God's word. Let me ask you this. If your spiritual growth is dependent on your listening skills, how are you doing? Now, this transformation is practical. It's just not a way of thinking, but it's a way of life. And, and he, he says, you know, they, they care for widows and orphans, and, and they're unpolluted for, by the world. And, and I don't believe that James is trying to give a complete laundry list of what it means to be a true worshiper. But, but what I think James is illustrating is that true worshipers are transformed in their inner character and in their care for others. In other words, folks, it's personal piety, personal transformation, personal character, personal integrity is part of it, but it also reflects in how we relate to other folks. I think in our denomination, we have done a good job oftentimes of emphasizing that personal piety and integrity, but sometimes we've not emphasized as much how that re- how that causes us to move into the world. So let me ask you, are you being transformed by your listening? This morning we're going to close with communion. And this is an important practice of the church. As a matter of fact, we have in our denomination, we have two sacraments. Uh, baptism and communion. Uh, what, what we would consider our, our founding uh, theologian in in. in Holiness is is John Wesley. John Wesley, in in his sermon on the sacraments, talks about the importance. And and if you could receive communion weekly, do it. As a matter of fact, he says at one point in the sermon, if you could take it four times a week, do it. Wesley believed in communion. And our church believes in communion, our denomination. And unfortunately, we've lost the practice. And part of the reason we've lost the practice is we, we don't give it the meaning it deserves. Did you realize... That in communion, when we serve these elements, we believe that Christ is present here. That'd be a good time to say amen. Communion places us in the grace-giving presence of Christ. we, We call it a means of grace. Prayer is a means of grace. The word is a means of grace. Serving is a means of grace. Worship, praising is a means of grace. Communion is a means of grace. It's a way to find ourselves in the transforming presence of Christ. It's not about the bread and the cup. It's about being in Jesus' presence. Kenneth Grider, who taught at our seminary, I believe, for many years, he wrote one of the most significant theology books uh, that Nazarene pastors used for years. I'm not sure if they still use it or not, but he says this, in the supper, our Lord is present. The Christ of Calvary, risen and ascended, sits with us in the supper. He companions us and strengthens us for life's struggles. Christ is present, and as we receive communion, we are to focus on this life-giving, grace-giving presence of Christ. So this morning, we're going to read scripture and pray, and I'm going to, I'm going to, if our ushers can dismiss from the back, I'm going to invite you just to remain seated until your row comes up and be prayerful. Uh, I'm going to read some scripture, and then I'm going to pray with you, 
And then as you're dismissed from the back to the front, you, you'll come up, you'll receive the bread, you'll dip it in the cup and eat it as you go back. Uh, but, but in the meantime, until you come up to receive the elements, I want you to be prayerful. I want you to see, I want you to listen to God. Let me read some scripture. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks and drink, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body right. So I'll pray, and in this time of prayer, I'd invite you to examine yourself. Examine your heart. Are you listening to God? Is there something you need to confess? Is there something you need to let go? Is God calling you to something deeper? I believe God speaks. Do you? Let's try that again. Does God still speak? I think he's inviting us to listen this morning. Lord, help us as we receive these elements to hear from you. Uh, Lord, may we um, not be so focused on, on what we think and what we want that we can't allow your spirit to move fresh and new. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for your mercy to us. We praise you, Lord, for your presence here. Help us now, Lord, just to respond to you appropriately. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it seems like, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you feel like I do. It almost feels like, well, you know, listening doesn't seem like that spiritual of a thing. I, I've become kind of convinced as I've looked at what James is saying is that listening may be one of the most spiritual things we do. John says, or Jesus says, they will know you are Christians by your love. If our love is defined by our listening, Will they know that we're Christians because we listen? Uh, may, may we not be people who will have all the answers without ever using our ears to listen. And, and I pray that you'll take this message and as, as you go out from this place that, that you'll truly listen to those you love. Uh, you'll listen to those around you. I think in listening sometimes, folks, uh, there is a great spiritual merit to gain. Lord, bless us, be with us, keep us. As we go from this place, Lord, I, I pray that you take anything that I've said that's been incomplete or wrong, and may your spirit do a fresh work. Uh, but Lord, help us to listen to you. Help us to listen to one another as well. Help us to love you and to love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.